Welcome back. This is the No Nonsense Anti-Racism Podcast. When I say unvaccinated, what comes to mind? Maybe you're imagining anti-vaxxers, or you're imagining parents who believe in alternative and natural remedies. When thinking about unvaccinated people, did you imagine people of color? The World Health Organization defines vaccine hesitancy as people purposely delaying receiving available vaccines. There is a big difference between those who are unvaccinated and those who are anti-vaxxers, and we'll go into all of that in a bit. But when we talk about Canadians who remain unvaccinated, there's a missing group that we need to talk about and understand. Canada's vaccination rates are sky high, despite our vaccination efforts getting off to a slow start. As of August 6, 2021, 71% of the country now has at least one vaccine, and fully vaccinated Canadians are at 59.7%. Despite over 80% of Canadians having had at least one dose, there are still more than 6 million who have not had any kind of shot, and experts are warning that we need more coverage to beat a fall wave. The first dose campaign in Canada has been winding down despite availability. There are fewer than 50,000 people getting a vaccine each day, and this is down from a peak of over 185,000 last month. CBC News spoke to some unvaccinated Canadians to hear their point of view, and in general, many say that they're concerned about safety and side effects. Some are not happy with the products offered. They would rather have Johnson & Johnson, for example, which uses a more conventional viral vector vaccine technology than what's being offered. Some unvaccinated people have needle-related phobias. Some are allergic to some of the components of the vaccine. Some are rural Canadians who have trouble getting access to vaccinations. And experts suggest that anywhere between 2 to 10% of the population is vehemently opposed to vaccines. Some people who've contracted COVID already and recovered feel like there's no point in getting the vaccine, especially if they've developed some kind of antibodies to the virus. But health experts maintain that even those who previously had COVID should get vaccinated. The number of people who are willing to get vaccinated is very different based on race and where in the country you live. According to a Statistics Canada poll, the percentage of Canadians who were very or somewhat willing to receive the COVID-19 vaccine by population groups for Black people was 56.6%, when for other minorities sat in the high 70s. Latino communities was closest to the Black community with a percentage at 66%, so still 10% higher. The average for visible minority populations is 74.8%. That's almost 20 percentage points difference from the Black community. And for non-racialized populations, the percentage willing to get vaccinated sits at 77.6%. And this is very important to understand. Non-white communities of color across Canada are showing much more hesitancy to get vaccinated compared to the white population. 
why are people of color across Canada less likely to get vaccinated, and what are the consequences for themselves and their families if they don't? Well, there are a number of reasons that specific communities of color in Canada don't want to get vaccinated, and this includes a history of medical mistreatment and experimentation. This mistrust of the institution of public health and governments that established it are at the heart of why many Black and Indigenous communities specifically are vaccine hesitant. Let's establish this right now, that these are not communities that are less educated or who are taking in more misinformation. Many of these people have lived experiences of trauma at the hands of the government and with our healthcare system. And this is not only an issue in Canada. The US and the UK have documented vaccine hesitancy as highest amongst communities of color. For example, in the United Kingdom, there was a study called COVID-19 Vaccine Hesitancy Among Ethnic Minority Groups from February 2021 that showed that there was greater vaccine hesitancy amongst some ethnic minorities. Vaccine hesitancy was highest among the Black population, Bangladeshi, and Pakistani communities compared with people from a white ethnic background. The pandemic has had disproportionate effects on people from ethnic minorities. Many BIPOC communities working as frontline workers, factory workers, or essential service workers, for example, have an even higher risk of contracting COVID. The report said in quotes, trust is eroded by systemic racism and discrimination. Previous unethical healthcare research in Black populations, underrepresentation of minorities in health research and vaccine trials, and negative experiences within a culturally insensitive healthcare system. So it really is the legitimate concerns and information needs of ethnic minority communities that cannot be ignored, or worse still, labeled as irrational or conspiracy theories. We need to engage, listen with respect, communicate effectively, and offer practical support to those who have yet to make up their minds about the vaccine. Bringing this back to Canada, for Indigenous folks, studies have shown that Indigenous communities are particularly vulnerable to COVID-19. According to the Manitoba First Nations COVID-19 Pandemic Response Coordination Teams, in quotes, Despite making up just over 10% of the total population of the province, First Nations people make up 71% of active cases with COVID-19 and 50% of patients in the intensive care unit. This is wild and incredibly disproportionate. Historian Ian Mosby and Jaris Swidrovich Canada's first and only self-identified First Nations doctor of pharmacy noted that the vulnerability is very much the product of Canada's colonial policy regime that has guaranteed that Indigenous people have reduced access to adequate health care, healthy food and clean water. COVID is revealing to us a truth that we have always known, that the social determinants of health are exacerbating the transmission of COVID-19. If you have underlying health issues, if you are food insecure or housing insecure, you are more likely to catch COVID and spread it. First Nations communities in Canada have long suffered from health and socioeconomic disparities compared to other groups in Canada. So the effects of COVID on First Nations communities is not surprising. 
For black folks, according to a report titled COVID-19 Vaccine Confidence, Black Canadian Perspectives by the Innovative Research Group in collaboration with the Black Opportunity Fund and African Canadian Civic Engagement Council, found in the report that compared to the Canadian average, black Canadians reported lower vaccination rates. At the time of the survey, which was May and June of this year, 2021, there was a 20-point gap between white Canadians who received at least one vaccine versus black Canadians who received at least one vaccine. For white Canadians, this was 65%, and for black Canadians, this was 45%. In terms of vaccine confidence, unvaccinated black Canadians are least likely to say that they would definitely get a shot when a vaccine becomes available. And this was only at 40%. This is compared to 45% of unvaccinated white Canadians and 56% of unvaccinated non-black visible minorities. While a majority of unvaccinated Canadians do show a form of hesitancy at 52%, it's black Canadians that are the most hesitant. Unvaccinated black Canadians are more likely to report some form of hesitancy at 60%. This is compared to 55% white Canadians and 44% of unvaccinated non-black visible minorities. Overall, 33% of the total adult black population show some form of vaccine hesitancy, so one in three. And this compares to 19% of the total adult white Canadian population and 25% for non-black visible minorities. So why is this? What is the history behind this vaccination hesitancy? Well, it's complicated. Well, it's not too complicated. If you look at the way these Canadians have been treated systemically for generations, for example, in 2013, it was revealed that throughout the 1940s and 1950s, malnourished Indigenous children served as unwitting subjects in nutritional experiments conducted by government bureaucrats. The tactics included withholding vitamin supplements and milk rations, withholding dental care, and feeding them enriched flour that wasn't legally sold elsewhere in Canada. We've talked about these kinds of experimentations done on children in past episodes. In British Columbia, a recent report found widespread anti-Indigenous discrimination in the province's healthcare system. A 2015 McGill study found that Black women in Canada have significantly higher preterm births than white women. So there are many examples of both the Indigenous and Black communities facing higher rates of discrimination and racism in the healthcare system. Former Manitoba Kiwatanawi Okimekanek Grand Chief Chila North explains, in quotes, Back in residential school days, people that are now elders remember being used as guinea pigs or having vaccines tested on them when they were children without their permission or their family's permission, end quote. Fears and experiences like this should be taken seriously and differentiated from the anti-vax movements that we're seeing because there are many well-documented examples of Indigenous people being subjected to medical experimentation. There was a 12-year trial of an experimental vaccine for tuberculosis 
used on Cree and Nakota Oyedebi infants in Saskatchewan during the 1930s and 40s. There's also a lot of examples of racism in the medical field towards Indigenous people. Indigenous women have been subjected to and coerced into forced sterilization in public hospitals. 60 women have launched a class action lawsuit in Saskatchewan with the support of the International Justice Resource Centre. And a recent Senate committee report notes that cases of forced sterilization happened as recent as 2019, so only two years ago. This isn't something that's happened 50-odd years ago. This was only two years ago. And then we look at cases of in-hospital neglect, like Joyce Equahan, an Indigenous mother of seven, died of pulmonary edema after live-streaming the racist and abusive remarks made by a nurse in Quebec. Expert witnesses said that she could have been saved if she was monitored closely. Brian Sinclair is another Indigenous man who died from sepsis in a Winnipeg hospital after waiting 34 hours to receive care that never came. And when we look at experiences with outbreaks, Indigenous populations don't fare well there either. During the H1N1 outbreak, the federal government sent body bags to four Manitoba First Nations communities instead of shipments of antivirals, hand sanitizers, and flu kits. We are going to take a short break and we will be right back. We are so appreciative of support from listeners like you. And what would be even more fantastic is if you could support us by writing a review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you can take a few minutes out of your day, that would be fantastic. We would also love to hear from you on social media. Follow us on Instagram. Handle is at racism period is period nonsense. We are now on Twitter at nonsense underscore no k-n-o-w and reach out to us via email at nononsensepodcast at gmail.com it should not be forgotten that many aspects of our modern medicine have been developed on the pain and experimentation on bodies of color Advances in gynecology are linked to the vile forms of experimentation on black women and black bodies. The version of the speculum that are most commonly used in OBGYN is credited to James Marion Sims, who improved this device at the painful expense of black women on whom he performed countless procedures without the use of anesthesia. Henrietta Lacks is a black woman whose cancer cells were taken for further study without her consent, and which were used to create the first immortalized human cell line. Many scientific advances, like polio vaccine, are due to experimentation with her cell line, widely known as the HeLa cells. There is some hesitancy driven by conspiracy theories and misinformation, but for racialized communities, there is a history of racial abuse by medical professionals that have created distrust for BIPOC communities. Look at the United States with the Tuskegee study. Researchers purposefully did not treat black patients infected with syphilis and only recorded what happened to them. 600 African-American men were enlisted in a medical experiment in 1932 in Macon County, Alabama. They came to be known as the Tuskegee Study of Untreated Syphilis in the Negro Male. 
It was meant to observe the progression of untreated syphilis in the human body. And during the experiment, the United States Public Health Service exploited 600 syphilis-positive participants, forcing them to undergo various medical procedures and suffer from a treatable disease without their informed consent. They were given placebo treatments. And as the study went on, when some participants began to seek treatment for their diagnosed syphilis from other medical professionals, patients were actively prevented from receiving medications that would have alleviated their pain and suffering. And it wasn't until 1972, more than 40 years later, that the study was ended after an outpouring of public outrage. But the overall study resulted in the deaths of 128 participants, either directly from syphilis or from related complications. Bringing that back to Canada, there is a reported history of unauthorized vaccination testing on residential school students and other Indigenous youth. During the Truth and Reconciliation Commission investigation, survivors gave testimony of receiving unauthorized tuberculosis vaccinations during their time in residential schools. There are consequences of not reaching these communities of color and how socioeconomic disparities support and will deepen this divide. New national public health reports show that almost 90% of reported COVID-19 cases across Canada are among unvaccinated people, 90%. And according to researchers, fully vaccinated people are 69% less likely to be hospitalized and 49% less likely to die from COVID than those who are unvaccinated. In Canada, 85% of Canadians hospitalized with COVID were unvaccinated, while 82% of people who died haven't yet been jabbed at all. Although cases are declining, we are seeing variants represent 70% of all reported cases, like the Delta variant, which has become the world's most dominant strain, and accounts for almost 40% of all cases in Canada. There is a potential of a fourth wave. Actually, it was just announced, but a fourth wave is coming and it's going to be worse if we don't take precautions. Recently, Black Canadian leaders have spoken out to say that governments have to do more to help overcome vaccine hesitancy in their communities. Following the data from a recent survey, Dr. Ato Sekiotu, leader of the healthcare task force of the Black Opportunity Fund said, when you look at vaccine confidence, unvaccinated Black Canadians are least likely to say that they'll definitely get the vaccine. Dr. Atto went on to say when he spoke to the CBC, in quotes, when we talk about hesitancy, we speak about the ABCs. I'm talking about access, belief, and confidence. So defining the ABCs, access, Black Canadians are more likely to work in jobs where taking paid time away to be vaccinated is difficult or impossible. Belief. Belief is eroded if you don't trust the people providing the information about vaccines. C is confidence. Confidence that the vaccines work is harmed when people who are already less trusting of the healthcare system get mixed messages about vaccine safety and effectiveness. Dr. Addo also said, it's not surprising that if someone has a bad experience with one institution, for example, criminal justice, when he or she is 19 years old, he or she may not want to take the vaccine in 2021 when they are 45 years old. The World Health Organization noted in 2019 
that one of the greatest threats to global health was vaccine hesitancy. And herd immunity is the goal, but to reach it, a significant portion of the population needs to be vaccinated or have antibodies present from being recently infected. It is really hard to get to herd immunity when a large portion of the population remains unvaccinated. For herd immunity to be effective for measles and polio, 95% and 80% of the population need to be vaccinated. Estimates for COVID-19 are unknown. A Statistics Canada survey conducted in 2020 of September, before the vaccine was approved, indicated that 75% of Canadians were either likely or somewhat likely to receive a vaccination. This has changed. There is an ethical imperative to respect people's agency over their own personal health decisions, but there comes the conflict between public safety and personal liberty. Currently, COVID-19 vaccination is not mandatory in any nation in the world, but there are conversations about whether this kind of public mandate should exist, and those conversations are ongoing. So what are the solutions to addressing vaccine hesitancy in communities of color? There's a few solutions. Community and health advocates are really urging public health officials and medical regulatory bodies to acknowledge the trauma during vaccine outreach and campaigns. Marginalized communities want to feel validated in their concerns, and they urge a trauma-informed, culturally sensitive approach to reaching these communities. Some health experts have suggested conducting focus groups with various racial and cultural groups, hold open question and answer sessions to address people's personal contextual concerns, provide cultural and language specific literature, regularly check in with the community and with religious leaders, and lastly, improve access to vaccines. There is already a number of different community-driven focused education efforts. Healthcare professionals also need to educate themselves on the communities that they're caring for, including understanding this historical legacy of mistrust that exists. There cannot be a singular public health messaging strategy, and there really needs to be engagement with communities on a deeper level. Taking some of these steps will ensure that there is hope for communities of color to feel safe and to feel heard and to feel much more comfortable getting the vaccine. It is imperative that governments understand vaccine hesitancy in communities of color and the specific contextual reasons for this hesitancy. It's more than just a public health need because of course we need these communities to vaccinate to reach herd immunity. But more importantly, these communities have been let down and left behind for decades when it comes to health. Speaking to communities, creating targeted programs and policies, and tracking data are all ways to tackle vaccine hesitancy, but more importantly, health disparities in general. Today's episode was researched by Beverly Osuzua. Jade Sullivan manages our social media, and I am your host, Nuri Yunus. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next week.